but I see it more as waking up the spark that in each one of us, whether you're a leader or not, that in our life, we get to demand more. We get to say, I want my job where I spend the majority of my energy to have meaning. I want it to be meaningful for me. I want to know at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of my life, that what I did matters. Kathy Varal retraces her career journey on this episode of the Leadership Backstory. From the Peace Corps to Microsoft to business school to Adidas, Kathy's career journey fed a passion for helping leaders harness business as a force for good. Today, she leads Kathy Varal Consulting and is the host of the Purpose and Profit podcast, sharing the stories of business visionaries who are intentionally establishing a purpose beyond profit. There are lots of leadership lessons packed into this episode. I'm Peter Barron, Brendan Schneider and I learned a lot and we know you will too, so let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm Peter Barron. And I'm Brendan Schneider. Yeah, and welcome to Leadership Backstory. So Brendan, today we have Kathy Verrall. Kathy, uh, welcome to the Thank podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I had the pleasure of spending a year of my life in a mastermind group that, that Kathy and her husband, Ozan Verrall, uh, facilitated. It was an amazing year. I learned a ton. I like to say that like all of us there were like drawn to the pa- uh, to the uh, mastermind because of Ozan <laughs> as an author and we read his book and thought it was you know super cool. But at the end of the day, it was Kathy who was like, she was the superpower behind that and has gone and done some amazing things, had a really interesting career. So Kathy, we are excited to dig in and really get a feel for your leadership philosophy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's going to be fun. And so Kathy, I, you know, this people who listen to the pod are probably like, this is the same joke that you do every single time, but I do have my research tool here or a trusty LinkedIn and You've got such an interesting career kind of coming yeah. in and out of large businesses, small businesses, running your own business now, but it started in the Peace Corps. You know, as yeah. you're thinking back on your leadership journey, is that a good place for us to start or does it start earlier in your mind? I think that's a great place to start. So I joined Peace Corps right out of undergrad and my undergrad was in economics and I was thinking about getting a master's degree in developmental economics. I was always really interested in how do you level the playing field globally? Um, how do you increase equity inequality? But I wasn't ready to continue on with school. So I saw Peace Corps kind of as a hands-on internship. And I'd never, I'd traveled before, but I'd never been to a developing country. So I went to Morocco and... I was a small business development Peace Corps volunteer. So I worked with small businesses that were assigned to me that were struggling um, to help them expand their market and gain traction. And what I learned in the Peace Corps is not what I was expecting to learn. What I saw firsthand was the power of business to act as a change agent in a way that I'd never considered before. So before I put most of my mental emphasis on government and NGOs to do that work. And so this was the first time I really saw the power of business to create systemic change in a sustainable way that it's not requiring funding from somewhere else because business, its function is creating funding. So government gets funding from business by getting taxes. NGOs get government from uh, or funding from other places. So it was my first time really experiencing the power of business. So when I left Peace Corps, I had a new objective, which was to become great at business and figure out how to use it to support systemic change. 
what 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 kind of triggered that realization? I mean, was there a moment that you're on the ground in Morocco and you're like, ah, I think I see it differently? I don't think it was one specific moment. I think it was a lot of moments added together. Um, Seeing the struggle and the amount of energy from a lot of NGOs that were also on the ground of trying to get funding and maintain funding to get their operation to be sustainable and seeing firsthand that challenge. and then seeing firsthand just the the effectiveness that business can have, especially business when it's done differently. And so you were there for two years and then came back stateside and went to work for Microsoft. Like, talk about that transition. So you're building businesses in Morocco and it looks like you came back to Seattle where, where I'm located. And was how was that reentry? Was that, what was that, what would that feel like? Um, so since my objective was to become great at business and figure out how to use that to create change, for me, it made sense yeah. to start working at a successful business um, and figure out how they do it. And so Microsoft was a really great opportunity. And I didn't, at that point in time, understand how I might be able to use business later. I just knew I wanted to learn how to run a successful one. And that maybe later down the road, I could figure out how to tie both of those desires together. What did you learn during those early days at Microsoft? I mean, what were some of the things you picked up? (laughs) What I learned is I hate doing accounting and finance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. 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 That's what I learned. Um, And I could do it and I was good at it, but I didn't want to do that. Um, which prompted going to get my MBA uh, at Georgetown. Mm. So I got some experience in Microsoft, saw how they were operating, um, but then internally had a better understanding of where do my talents pull me towards um, and things that I, I want to, skills I want to develop that I'll enjoy using that then I can figure out how to use to create systemic change later in finance and accounting. I got to mark that off the list. That's not what I wanted to do. So what did you, what did you discover? Like what were the skills that you were, that were emerging in your mind is like, ah, there's like, I've got passion there. That's, that's what I want to pursue. That came about in, um, business school. Uh, it was the first time I really experienced marketing. And I used to think marketing was advertising. It's not. Um, there's a lot of strategy in marketing and you're trying to understand the human element, which is pretty fascinating. So I ended up focusing on marketing um, and strategy and then went on to work in a marketing function in, which later at other companies morphed into a strategy function. But that's really where my capabilities lie, where what I'm passionate about how I'm passionate about spending my energy is. And really, I think fundamentally, it's the business strategy and how you build that that enables you to create the biggest impact in the world. If you embed into the way your business operates, intention of how you're impacting society, how you're impacting the planet, the products you're creating, the way you're innovating, that's where you really have the opportunity to create systemic change. And I know you've dedicated 
the last years of your last few years of your life towards this with your business and you've got a podcast and we'll talk about all of that because i'm really curious to kind of get a feel for like where you're where, where your thinking is at the moment but as you were working your way you know from the peace corps to microsoft to georgetown were there any leadership lessons that were starting to emerge in your head that you're like oh i think this is going to be important to me being able to get to that place that yeah. i want to be taking a step back i would say overall my I spent 20 years about in corporate and overall my takeaways from that when it comes to leadership, because I had good leaders and I had not so good leaders um, and thinking about what made them different, the two camps, uh, the ability to inspire was really what I saw as the differentiator, um, inspire so that people want to follow you. They're not just following you because they have to, because their job description says so, but they're following you because they're right. inspired by you, because you spark something in them, because you have pulled them onto your team and said, you're an important member of my team. And in order for us collectively to get to where we want to go, I need your help. Um, and so that was more the observation of leadership when I was in corporate of what was successful. I would say... Personally, from a leadership standpoint, my biggest lessons came after I left corporate and started building my own business. <laughs> Why is that, do you yeah. think? Uh, a few reasons. One, um, when I first started building my own business, uh, I was really hard on myself. I'd show up at my home office yeah. and um, I was really hard on myself. And I... I had to think yeah. about what's driving me. I can show up any way I want. No one's making me do what I'm doing. I'm choosing to do what I'm doing. So why am I making it a struggle? And so it led to a lot sure. of internal reflection and uncovering what are my driving forces. And being outside of a corporate environment, I couldn't dodge accountability. I couldn't say I'm frustrated because my boss is making me do this. I'm frustrated because so and so. Like it's just it's me. So I, interesting. I am the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no hiding from yeah. from accountability for how I am choosing to show up. Yeah. Brendan, did you feel that? I mean, Brendan just started a, his own business about what nine, eight, nine months ago. Yeah. yeah. Was that? Yeah. Uh, very much so. It it that's a great point, Kathy, and and probably one that I haven't thought too hard about, and I should. Um, you've taken time to reflect. I don't always do that which I'm learning I need to. <laughs> my, yeah. my thought is you're making this transition. Did you, st when did you start to manage people? And were you using this as like an incubator? So you're having these experiences that are good and bad. Are you then trying to model the good um, with the people that you were leading? Within corporate, yeah. And I yeah. had varying degrees of success and failure there of... <laughs> myself yeah, being sure. in a leadership position um and it it does yeah. to me really emphasize a point that i think is missed across pretty much every company out there is there isn't space and training to really teach people how to manage it's a very different function than the doing when you're in the business doing versus when you're yeah. managing and inspiring people to do the the doing part of it. Um, and I think that's a huge 
huge mess because it's not necessarily a innate skill. And since yeah. each one of us has had a plethora of good and not so good managers, you pick up yeah. those habits as well. Um, yeah. I think that's such an interesting point. It reminds me mm -hmm. of, uh, I'm reading this book right now called Indispensable. And one of the premises of the of this of the book is, you know, their organizations, whether it's intentional or not, like to, you know, create, you know, create leaders in a very similar mold, right? Like there's a mold for leadership. And the reason for that is because people can then be interchangeable, right? If, if person A leads, person B, we know they have that those particular skills. But what I've been thinking a lot about is like, I, I think that ultimately is like an inhibitor on the business and that it really does keep people from being able to explore things and move the businesses in ways that maybe you don't realize it and get the most talent out of somebody as a result. And yeah, that just really, that just clicked for me on a lot of levels. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, Kathy, I, I want to fast forward because you, you, you were at Adidas for a while and I, I, it's just this really interesting progression that I see when you're at a, a Adidas, you went from an account manager to a senior manager for global basketball to a senior manager for global women, women's. And then you, you your last uh, job there was a strategy of global purpose. And so you had talked about kind of purpose at the front yeah. end. And then obviously you've got a podcast that leverages the name purpose in it. What was that journey like? And like, how? How did you get to that yeah. place where you were able, were able to, I don't, I'm just assuming that you were able to dial it in at that point, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, that's interesting to answer that. Um, sometimes I feel like our life makes sense in retrospect where it doesn't at the time. So you're, you're <laughs> collecting skills yeah. that you might not know how you'll be able to use them. And that's how I started this journey out of Peace Corps was, okay, I want to become great at business so I can use it to create change, but I don't know where that's going to end up and what that's going to look like. And I feel like I had a midlife crisis from 22 until my last job at Adidas where it became clear of, oh, this is a way that I really can fundamentally help shift how business is operating to create systemic change. And that job leading global purpose before Adidas creating the global purpose strategy is the only job in my entire life that was just given to me. I didn't have to apply for it. Um, I was just asked if I wanted to do it. And it is fascinating. It's It was my dream job. Um, and it's almost like all of the breadcrumbs collected along the way. Suddenly, the universe says, you're ready. Here you go. Try right, this. Right, right. Yeah. How were you? That's amazing that they just said, here do you want this clearly you were articulating that in the company you i mean I, you were driving that change or talking that way was that is that um, true um at that point not so much so my role right before that was strategy <laughs> for women so it was across the company huh. uh and then global purpose as a department was a new creation when i came into that role so there was a lot of fragmented uh -huh. things that the company was doing across so sustainability was in one place um impact was across different business departments in different ways but there was no cohesive um, strategy uh hey. 
So it was the first time they pulled all of that together with diversity and inclusion. And they were intentional about let's create an umbrella strategy that it makes sense for our entire company so that we're not doing fragmented things. And then that's where I came into play and was offered offered the role to build that strategy. What was that like? Building the strategy? Uh, it was great. It was really inspiring. It was like what I had been waiting to do for two decades. Um, and it was also hard. I mean, building a strategy for a huge company that crosses the globe and has a different voice for each sport, something that's holistic that will work across that and across markets, which what they're struggling with is is different. Um, that was a really interesting challenge. And so, but it was an inspiring challenge of how do I solve this this question. So I ran, I created workshops and ran, I think, workshops in four different regions across the world to really collect the data needed to inform what the strategy could be holistically that would make sense. Why did you end up uh, leaving your dream job? Well, then the strategy was built and it went into execution. And I looked around the company and there was no other job I wanted. And COVID happened. um, And it was interesting to see the way business leaders reacted. Because most of them, supply chains blew up. And so the chance of hitting your revenue numbers went out the window. And I expected leaders to say, okay, we're, the house is on fire. We're going to salvage whatever we can. We're going to pull back on doing good. You know, we don't have the extra resources to do that. And instead, business leaders, many of them did the opposite. They said, well, the house is on fire anyway. So how do we band together and all help each other as we work through this crisis? And so suddenly there was a a collective shift in leadership of a lot of it, of realizing the role that business can play in the world that is more elevated than just hitting a revenue number um, that really considers society, really does consider the planet. And a lot of those leaders didn't necessarily have the knowledge of how to do this internally. So I saw an opportunity to take what I had learned and consult other leaders as they figure out how to go down this path. And so it was in August of 2020 that I decided to leave. Paint a picture, like what might it look like, you know, for an organization to embrace purpose? Like what would be an example that can help us kind of frame it in a way that maybe we haven't thought about it before? So purpose is like the why of a company, why you exist in the world. and the yeah. why should be not just make shareholders money. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's an extrinsic motivator, which ends up not being yeah. motivation motivational pretty quickly for employees. But the why is what problem are you solving? What, how are you contributing? What are you benefiting? Um, and how do you do that through your, your products or services? So, for example, Tesla's why is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. So everything they do, that is the North Star of what they they build off of, what they innovate off of. 
And it makes it a lot easier to make internal decisions when you know why it is you exist. It's a lot easier to decide where yeah. it is you're going to spend your innovation dollars when you know why it is you exist, what you're going to say yes to, what you're going to say no to. Um, PayPal's purpose is to democratize access to financial tools. And so they've innovated a lot of ways to do exactly that, to service the segments of the population that weren't being serviced. And so that purpose, when it's embedded into your strategy, it really decides what your business model is. It's not the other way around. It's, yeah. It ends up being the foundation of how you operate. And do you find companies fall down on that front, or is is there is there like is it like bubbling? And your job is to help kind of, you know, just give it some breathing room and let it let let it permeate in ways that maybe it's not right now. Well, I think there's a huge spectrum across companies. There's a lot of companies that have no yeah. purpose. Um, yeah. I would say the majority of them don't, or they might have a mission statement that's on a wall, but it actually has nothing to do with how they make day to day decisions. It's just words on a wall. Um, and so companies that really operate genuinely around purpose are growing. You see movements like B corporations. Those tend to be very purpose-led companies. They are literally saying that uh -huh. we don't just make decisions based on the financial outcome. We also consider all stakeholders in our decision-making, um, which is very different than just fiduciary responsibility. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead, Brenda. I was just going to say, I'm not sure I have this question fully thought out, Kathy, but, you know, we talk a lot about leadership, obviously, with a team, but it sounds like with the work you're doing, you're becoming a, a leader of leaders. Is that fair? And how different is that from leading a, a team like your staff or whatever versus leading other leaders that don't necessarily have to listen to you. Although going back to earlier, you're trying to inspire them, but they're, I assume they're paying you to do this. So true. I mean, I think, um, honestly, I think across the board, most leadership is about influence, not having direct control over what people do or don't do. Um, and you can mm -hmm. influence in a lot of different ways. Uh, two broad categories, fear-based influence um, and like love-based influence, which is more inspiration, <laughs> yeah. right? And so as I go in and talk to companies and as I talk to leaders, for me, I see my role, I've actually given myself my own job title, which is professional show and teller, because I get to go in and so talk about the things that I am really <laughs> passionate about. Um yeah, But I see it more as waking up the spark that in each one of us, whether you're a leader or not, that in our life, we get to demand more. We get to say, I want my job where I spend the majority of my energy to have meaning. I want it to be meaningful for me. I want to know at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of my life, that what I did matters. And in order to be able to get to a place to say that, and I think everyone has an intrinsic desire 
for meaning. Um, so to get to a place for uh, that to happen within companies, you need some sort of purpose. So you've got your uh -huh. company now. How how are you defining your purpose? Uh, it's actually written on my wall. Uh, which is going to sound like... Let's flip the, let's flip the camera. Yeah. <laughs> which is going to sound strange. Um, the actual purpose. Uh, how I've written my purpose and defined it is an oracle of possibility, helping people come out of their hiding place by coming out of mine. Um, and how I would explain that is, I think my superpower is being able to see the possibility in people and organizations, being able to see what they could be capable of and translating that. And I think both individuals and organizations can hide from their potential for a number of reasons. Um, and so I see my purpose as being able to articulate what is possible and then helping people get there. How did how did you apply those lessons as you were building your business? Because I'm just thinking about the timing, right? You, you you spun up your organization in the middle, you know, the the early days of COVID, and hmm. you know, you know, you're working for yourself now, and like you said, I think earlier, like you were really hard on yourself in terms of your. I don't know if it was that tied towards expectations, or was there something else that was driving that kind of internal criticism? I think a lot of things. Expectations were one. So wanting to be so much further than I was and things take time to grow, right? Yeah. Um, you can't yeah. make a flower grow faster by tugging on it. There's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there yeah. is a process yeah. for things. Uh, another yeah. part was just unwinding things that I had wrapped my identity around. So I had wrapped my identity and worth around money in a lot of ways. And going from having a paycheck that came every two weeks, a very consistent amount, to a very different relationship with money, where when I get paid, it'll be a lot, but it'll be for like a day. And all of the work that I do leading up to that makes it so that hiring happens, but there's no feedback loop that I was used to, right? Because I'm working on my own, so there's no... Um, boss telling me good job and patting me on the back and because yeah. the my relationship with money had to change there wasn't even the reinforced paycheck showing up every two weeks so there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do to be comfortable in the space I moved into and chose to move into <laughs> how did you work your way through that Self-reflection. Um, I mean, I think if I was to give advice for, and I think it's common for people starting their own business to be very hard on themselves. And I didn't think that yeah. when I started my own business, that would be one of my biggest challenges. I thought all of the business logical things would be my biggest challenge. I didn't think I would be my biggest challenge. And how I showed up and what my relationship was with work um, so the advice I would give is for anyone else starting a similar journey, if it's a slog, if you 
do not like how you're showing up to your office. Remember, you can take control back. Like you are the one that decides how you show up. And if something doesn't feel right, then that is an invitation to reflect in that area, to get curious, to lean in, to lift up things inside of you, to see what's under them and what's driving you to act the way that you're acting. What's driving you is going to be some sort of pattern that you embodied at some point because you learned that that's what you needed to be successful. And so I had a very specific work, Kathy, that I used for my 20 years mm -hmm. in corporate, but also through, through education. And it made me really successful at what I did. But it wasn't very healthy. And when I ended up going out on my own, that same work, Kathy, if I showed up that way, it would be detrimental to my current success. Like what I need now and Sis. how I need to show up now is very different than what was successful before. But unwrapping that pattern when you've been given trophies for it can be quite hard. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It's uh, it's like you're creating, you, you had to kind of figure out what is your real persona? Like what is mm -hmm. your real being versus what you, the, the game, you know, the the theatrics that maybe you had to employ Absolutely. before. That's hard. Yeah. Well, and I needed to hear this about three months ago, Kathy. So this is great for me right now yeah. <laughs> as, as I do my own thing. Yeah, no, this, I have to reflect on that, but that it's also giving permission to, yeah, that's good. I like this. I have to work yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. But did you, did you find that as you were starting, I mean, that any of the leadership lessons that you were learning along the way in the 20 years in corporate, like have any of those been very helpful or did you just kind of say, I'm going to shed all of it and reimagine from the ground up? That's a really good question. I'm taking the time to think about how I feel about it. Um, I think running your own business is very different than being in corporate. So unless you start a business that is a corporation with a lot of people in it, um, so the idea of leadership isn't a one-on-one -on -one transferable. Uh, yeah. I would say that the biggest lesson that I mentioned before from my experience with leaders in corporate still holds true. The importance of inspiration. The importance of yeah. authenticity. The importance of genuinely caring about what it is you're doing. Because people feel that. It whether your words are saying, if your words are saying one thing, but how you feel is another, people will pick up on that when you're in a leadership role. So the importance of really being aligned with what you're communicating, um, what you're asking people to do is really important. I think a lot about authenticity. And so I'm in and, and like, how you build things in an authentic way. And how does that work for you, you know, as you're, as you're growing your business? Like what? What does authenticity mean for, for well, Kathy Farrell? It shows up in a number of ways. Um, so one through, so I've been on my own for two and a half years and it's it's been a journey and a lot of lessons that I think I needed to go through to learn. Um, but one of them was at the start, I had never built a business before. So I researched and to find out how do you build a business? What do you do? You know, how do you generate business? How do you be successful? And I did those things. But some of them 
just sucked my soul. Um, <laughs> and the, and it turns out those things that sucked my soul also didn't end up being helpful. They didn't they didn't have the result I wanted them to have. And so through this journey was learning. Again, I feel like a lot of lessons in my life I learned over and over again was learning to trust my own energy. And when my energy is going towards something, there's a reason it's going towards something. And that's where I should put my energy instead of forcing myself to do things that are draining my soul. And when I actually operate in alignment that way within my business, I'm happier and things just work better. That those things that I have energy towards, I probably show up in a different way, more alive. Um, because I enjoy what I'm doing okay. and the result is better at the end. So what role does purpose and profit play, play in all of this for you? Because that's a podcast that you've been hosting for a couple mm -hmm. of years now. And I'm curious, like how, how does it, how does that fit in terms of, I mean, because it strikes me as it's a great chance to demonstrate yourself as a leader in the space, right? You're talking to important people, you're having meaningful conversations. But is there something else there that, you know, that the podcast is fulfilling for you? Uh, so the podcast for me is a number of things. I get to talk to amazing people who are doing business how I think is right in a different way with intention of how they're impacting to society and the planet. It gives visibility that this is one way someone can approach business. And I interview people across all industries because there isn't a one size fits all. So to give inspiration of this is how you could solve a problem you might be struggling in your own industry. This is how someone else did it. Um, yeah. So to give visibility to a new way of business. And also, I guess is like a thanks to the people who are doing it that way. Um. And I speak a lot yeah. to companies on how to drive profit with purpose. And so it definitely, the podcast is on that theme and reinforces it. I, I wanted to ask that question because you're the first guest that we've had that actually has their own podcast. So this is kind of a fun, yeah. fun new area for us. But it, it makes me think about why this podcast means this particular, our podcast means so much to me. It's because I, we do get to talk to people who are doing really interesting things and have had exper experiences sure. that neither of us have had or may never have. But I feel like there's always something out of every, at least one thing out of every conversation that I pull out of this that I will ch like, I like reflect on, right? And we'll spend a lot of like mental energy thinking about to, to understand like, how can I apply that to the work that I do and how can I make myself better and the people around me better? And I know, does that, does that resonate? Like, is that, does that kind of uh, hit home for you in terms of why you, why you do the podcast? A hundred percent. And, um, stories from the podcast have ended up in my keynotes. I'll highlight some of the companies uh, I've talked to and, uh, and how they're solving challenges, how they're innovating around purpose. Um, so, it's definitely inspirational for me as well. Yeah. You've had such an interesting journey, Kathy. I mean, from starting in the Peace Corps to working in large corporations, the business school, and to now you're your own boss, right? And you're building a business the way that you want to see that business be built and making change that, that that's important to you. 
as we've kind of gone through your career and thought about all the different stops and the lessons learned, like if you could do it all over again, would you, would you walk down the same path or would you do it? Would you walk down a different one? I'm going to give two answers to that. (laughs) One is going back to the analogy of you can't make a flower grow by pulling on it. Um, I do think there were lessons I needed to learn. I do think paths aren't linear. Um, and so you have experiences that inform your collective skill set or your collective perspective that are really important. Um, I actually wrote a poem called The Stone and the Leaf a couple years ago that talked about two different ways of living. And one is like a stone falling from the sky. And it's going straight on one path. There's no detours. It is focused. It is going to land exactly where it intended to land. All right. <laughs> the problem is it's going to land exactly where it intended to land. If it didn't have very big imagination, it's going to land exactly where it intended to land. And the other way is to fall from the sky like a leaf, where you're dancing with the wind and you will end up somewhere you never dreamed of. And that is a more playful way to operate. And it's being in connection with what's around you instead of putting your head down and powering through regardless of what's around you. Um, And so when I look back at my career, I was definitely a stone. I picked up things along the way that made it to where I can do what I do now, but I think I could have had a lot more fun on my journey before uh, if work, Kathy, was a bit different. And I wonder if I actually would have been more successful if I showed up more (laughs) as me and who I am in my aliveness versus showing up as how I was asked to show up. What held you back from being you? So if we go back to what you said earlier about the book you're reading that talks about um, leaders within a specific company will be patterned very much the same way. Well, when you are in that company, you see this is what a leader looks like. If I want to be a leader, this is how I need to show up. And it plays on, you know, we, we have cognitive biases to promote people that are like us, to hire people that are like us, going completely against cognitive diversity or any type of diversity, which is actually a detriment to a company, but it happens. And so when you're junior and you see this is what a leader looks like, that's how I showed up. Was it, I don't know if we asked this question along the way, but like, was, what was the moment when you realized that you didn't have to be that way? Like you could be your authentic self. Okay. I started playing with it a little at the very end at Adidas. Um, For example, we're creating this uh, proposal for our partnership with Beyonce. And within the proposal, I started off with a poem I'd written. I had never shared a poem at work before, let alone in a pitch deck. Um, But I started, I had started breaking down the walls inside of me that were different compartments just to see what would happen. Um, and a few things happened. One, I ended up having more fun. And two, what I worked on was actually better received than it had been in the past, which was really interesting and surprising. And now to me, it makes sense, but it took a while. 
if you think about compartmentalizing, and I used to pride myself on it, I was like, yes, I, if something's going on at home life, I can just focus at work. If something's going on at work, I can focus at home. It's a superpower. But when you create compartments, by definition, you are showing up as less than yourself. You're showing up as a compartment of yourself, which means you're not right. showing up with your full suite of skills and talents and superpowers and idiosyncrasies. Um, so now I view that very differently. First off, I am terrible at compartmentalizing. So <laughs> it's never, it's never been a skill, but boy, that, yeah. I mean, when you're, uh, you said it, you, you talked about patterns just a few minutes ago, like the pattern that, that is, that really clicked clicked for me. And now you're, you're, you're building the business the way you want to build it. Congratulations. It's really fun to see. It's fun to see you doing work and you know, that really ties back to your, to your personal why. You Thank know? you. I appreciate that. Well, well, to finish off, Kathy, where do you want people to learn more about you? Where can they, where do you well, want to send them? Um, I'd say the Purpose and Profit podcast. That'll also mention the newsletter okay. I send out every week on the topic, um, but it's easier to find the podcast. Kathy Barral, this has been so much fun. We'll uh, make sure to link to those things too in our show notes, all the places where we post this. So we want to make sure people get a chance to listen to your your episode, your episodes as well. So thank you. I really appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank yeah, you thanks, for having Jeff. me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Backstory. Make sure to subscribe from your favorite podcast player and leave us a review if you like what you hear. We appreciate you sharing your feedback with other listeners. Peter Barron and Brendan Schneider host The Leadership Backstory. Catch you on the next episode.